So this weekend, uh, the title of this message is Clear Boundaries. In other words, it's how complaining, griping, criticizing can affect your life. And so you know what? God really has a sense of humor uh, because you guys know for the last four or five weeks I've been complaining about the Patriots, right? So I'm not going to complain about them this week no more, okay? I would point out to you that if you looked in Scripture, you would find the word eagle appears in Scripture 33 times in a positive way. The word patriot never appears in Scripture. So now I am only applying Scripture to the situation of the Super Bowl. I am not complaining. And so, so I want to talk to you about this issue of complaining, this issue of criticizing each other, grumbling, arguing, all of those things, and, and because the Bible just tells us don't do it. Now listen, these two verses that we're going to look at tonight, I believe with all of my heart they're the, they're the most two difficult verses to apply to your life on a consistent basis. These are hard verses to apply to our lives. But Paul has a lot to say about clear boundaries, the reason that we need clear boundaries, the reason that we need to be careful of this. Because the reason that we don't complain, the reason that we don't criticize others is because what happens, we'll lose our influence of others. And really and truly, it's, it's just a bad testimony. It robs you and it robs me of our joy in life that there's no way that we can live this life and live this life more abundantly. If we're always criticizing, we're always complaining, we're always have conflict or we're always arguing about something. But we live in a society, right? Social media teaches us this, that it's okay to criticize, that it's okay to cl complain, that it's okay to be, be like negative. You want to you stand out in this world be positive. You want to stand out in this world, come to the place to where you just have joy because, listen, complaining will rob you of your joy. It, it will make you unhappy. It will make everybody in your circle and outside of your circle unhappy. The problem is this issue of complaining is a bad habit to break. We're, we're naturally just by flesh. We're naturally negative people. Normally, we look at the bad situation, the bad side of a situation we're conditioned by society, and so sometimes we think nothing is wrong with this, but, but Paul speaks into this, and so here, here's the two verses, verse 14, says, do everything without complaining and arguing, so that no one can criticize you, leave clean, leave, live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. So what is God's word has to say about this issue of just the habit of complaining? And I'm, and I'm, I'm talking to you as, as a person that's trying to reform in this, in this area. So I, I get it. I understand that with you. So I want to give you, so, so I thought it'd be a fun exercise for us to do. You may want to identify some of these characteristics because I think we fall in one of the others naturally. So I went through scripture this last week and it says, you know what? What was the habit of complaining that some, some people in scripture had that we, that we would all know? So I looked at David's life. Here's what I found out about David. David's habit, David was a whiner. David liked, I mean, David's favorite phase, it's not fair. Life is not fair. Fact is, David was one of those people that was negative. When he woke up, it was rise and whine. I mean, he just, he, he always woke up. In other words, he always woke up on the wrong side of the bed. Fact is, David whines himself all the way through the Psalms. Uh, Psalm 73, 13 and 14 says, Do I keep my heart pure for nothing? Do I keep myself innocent for no reason? I get nothing but trouble all day long. Every morning brings me pain. 
In other words, he just kind of rise and whine. That was David. I mean, Jesus told this story in Matthew chapter 20. He says this, when they received their pay, they protested to the owner. Those people worked only one hour, and yet you have paid them just as much as you have paid us, who worked all day in the scorching heat. Have you ever worked with, around someone, been around someone, and they're always complaining about management? They're always complaining about the company. They're always complaining that someone else gets the break, someone else gets the promotion, someone else gets all that stuff. Have you ever been around someone that they're going to complain about any decision that's made, whether it's in the office, whether it's in their company, whether it's on the job site, whether it's in their home, or whether it's in their church? As long as they get to complain life is not fair, then it, it seems to make people like that more miserable, and it's miserable to be around them. So David's habit was, life's not fair. Here's another one, Moses. Well, what was Moses' habit? No one ever appreciates me. Moses like a martyr. I mean, his, his favorite phrase, no one ever appreciates me after all I do. Look at this, Numbers chapter 11. And Moses said to the Lord, and you really need to read this in a whiny voice. Why are you treating me, your servant, so harshly? Have mercy on me. What did I do to deserve the burden of all these people? Did I give birth to them? Did I bring them into the world? Why did you tell me to carry them in my arms like a mother carries a nursing baby? How can I carry them to the land you swore to give the, to their ancestors? Where am I supposed to get meat for all of these people? They keep... That's funny, right? That's, you know why, you know why complaining is such a hard habit to break? We can see it in everybody else, not ourselves. That's why it's so hard. And so anyway, he goes on and says, saying, give us meat to eat. I can't carry all these people by myself. The load is far too heavy. If this is how you intended to treat me, just go ahead, kill me, kill me now. <laughs> just do me a favor, save me from this misery. In other words, these are people that are awesome at throwing pity parties. I mean, ever thrown a pity party? You know the problem when you throw a pity party? Nobody shows up, right? Nobody's even going to come. And so, uh, so Solomon, what was Solomon? This is funny, right? I mean, Solomon's habit was this. Nothing's ever going to change. In other words, Sol Solomon was a cynic. He was cynical about everything. In Ecclesiastes 1, 2 through 9, he says, Everything is meaningless, says the teacher. Completely meaningless. What do people get for all their hard work under the sun? Generations come and generations go. But the earth never changes. The sun rises and the sun sets, then hurries around the, to rise again. The wind blows south and it turns north. Around and around it goes, blowing in circles. Rivers into the sea. Rivers run into the sea, but the sea is never full. Then the water returns again to the rivers and flows out again to the sea. Everything is worrisome beyond description. No matter how much we see, we're never satisfied. No matter how much we hear, we're not content. History merely repeats itself. It's all been done before. Nothing under the sun is truly new. Solomon is like cynical. I mean, he, I mean his favorite phrase is, it's not going to change. One last one, then we're going to move on. Maybe you can identify yourself. Maybe you can identify the habit where you gravitate to. The last one is Paul. Paul was a, Paul was a perfectionist. Paul was that guy that was the guy that says, nothing's ever good enough. You'll, you'll, never, you'll never meet my expectations. And, and he was a perfectionist. Acts chapter 15, verse 36, it says, After some time, Paul said to Barnabas, Let's go back and visit each city where we have previously preached the word of the Lord. To see how the new believers are doing. Barnabas agreed and wanted to take along John Mark. 
But Paul disagreed so strongly since John Mark had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in their work. Their disagreement was so sharp that they separated. Barnabas took John Mark with him and sailed for Cyprus. In other words, like, John Mark is never good enough. John Mark is never going to meet the mark. John Mark blew it once. As a result of that, he's going to blow it again, so I don't want him around me. Now, to Paul's credit, later on, he apologized for that. In other words, nothing is ever good enough for this person. Nothing is ever really right. Nothing destroys warmth of a relationship. Nothing destroys warmth of a home faster than this issue of complaining. That's why Paul said in verse 14, do everything, and in the Greek that means everything, without complaining and arguing. So I'm going to give you three things. Maybe you've identified, hey, this is kind of where I gravitate to. I I got mine. Maybe you have yours. And so if you're going to have clear boundaries and not complain, there's several things you're going to have to do. One is you're going to have to identify your habit of complaining. You're going to have to come to the place and say, where, where do I gravitate to? What, what is my habit? What is my default mode? In other words, you have to admit it's a problem for you. This isn't a time, listen, a lot of times when we, we criticize, just like Moses, Moses is a problem for him, but he's pointing the finger at the people. And so we have to come to that place and realize, you know what? This isn't my time to evaluate anybody around me in my household, at my church, in my office, at my school. This is an opportunity for me to determine for me uh, Proverbs 28, 13 says, People who conceal their sins will not prosper, but if they confess and turn from them, they will receive mercy. One of the most difficult parts of learning how to handle complaining is recognizing it in yourself. Someone recorded your conversation in a week or a day, what would it reveal about your speech? How much time do you spend arguing and complaining and criticizing and saying, Life stinks? In other words, you've got to come to the place and you've got to admit that it's, it's, it's like a problem for you. So many of you just, just think it's okay just to complain. This last week, I uh, traveled back to Texas for a, a senior pastor's round tra- table with a group of pastors nationally that I get with once a quarter. And, and I, had, I had this verse on my heart when I'm headed to Colorado Springs to fly out. And so I thought, you know what, Lord, I'm thinking about this verse. So every time as I travel, would you help me identify my habit? Whenever I get ready to complain or complain, would you just simply point it out to me? It was a tough trip. (laughs) I had trouble with the airlines. I realized that just because you have a ticket doesn't mean you have a seat and you can use the overhead compartment. So once we worked through that whole issue, I finally made it to DFW Airport, got to the rental car center, Fortunately, I was the second in line, and there was one lady working there, and there was a whole line that developed behind us, and she was not um, very passionate in her job. (laughs) I finally made it up to the counter, and so I'm watching her, and she's methodical but very slow. So I could have complained, but, you know, the Lord pointed this out. So I said, okay, I'll come up with a compliment. And so I said, oh, I just feel so sorry for you. You got to... A lot of work to do. And she said, yeah. And she looked over her glasses at me and said, yeah. And and those people don't think I can hear them complaining about me. They don't like this speed. They're not going to like the next one. And I'm like, you're going to roll to a stop. And so, (laughs) and she said, you know what happened? A lot of people quit abruptly. Those that didn't quit, call off. I was the only one showed up. You think they're happy? You think they're thankful that I, I was the only one that came to work today? No, I'm going to have to listen to it. You know what? After you, I think I'm going to take a break. I said, God be with you. 
Listen, listen, complaining doesn't work, right? I mean, who wants to go out of their way and help a complainer? That even if you go out of your way and try to help them, they're going to find something to complain about. They're going to find some way that you fell short. I noticed, it's just so funny. I notice a lot of people are traveling more and more with like animals. You know, and they're wearing little, little whatevers that says emotional support animal. And so I'm thinking, well, maybe that helps people not to complain. I mean, that's what's, maybe that's what someone needs. So when I, when I landed in Dallas, I decided, you know what, I'm going to get me an emotional support animal and see if that helps. And so I did. I got a chicken fried. <laughs> now, whenever I need emotional support, I go get fried chicken. And it's like, it's like good for you. See, complaining. <laughs> so complaining is not just a bad habit. Listen, the Bible said it's a sin. And so we got to come to the place where we recognize and we see it as serious. Complaining was such a sin. Do you realize it kept the Israelites out of the promised land? The Bible says in Numbers they murmured, they complained seven times. And you know what happened? God didn't let them go into their promised land. They were not able to live life and that life more abundantly. You know why? Because they complained. They criticized about anything and everybody. So, so you have to come to the place that you just confess this. The second thing is this. If you're going to have clear boundaries and not complain, you have to re accept responsibility for your habit. You have to accept responsibility for your habit. You can only change yourself. You can only change your circle. You cannot change anybody else. In other words, you have to come to the place to where you don't have to say everything you're thinking and feeling, right? You know what I'm learning about complaining? Sometimes complaining, what the scripture says and what I'm learning, is an attempt to blame other people for your choices. To blame other people for your problem. It's a way a lot of times for people to get the focus off of themselves and onto others. That was Moses, right? Moses, like all, the, all these people, you know what they do? All they do is whine while he's whining to the Lord. And a lot of times it's our attempt to say, you know what, I'm, I'm going to get the focus off of myself. If I cause this problem, maybe I can just complain about it. And maybe I can shift the focus from my circle to somebody else's circle to somebody, to somebody else. I mean, we like to pass the buck, but it just like makes, us, makes us feel better. Proverbs 19.3 says, people ruin their lives by their own foolishness. And they're angry at the Lord. How many times do we cause a situation? Do we cause a problem? We get into that relationship. We get into that situation. We make that choice. And things go south. And then we blame God. And God, we know it was against Scripture. And God never called us to do that. In other words, we bring the problem into our life. And then we complain and we blame the Lord. Listen, don't complain about how the ball bounces. If you dropped it. When I, when I bring problems into my life, I, I have no right to complain. Many times complaining is just an, an excuse to not accept the fact that, you know what, I may not be perfect. I may have had a bad choice. I may have had a bad decision. I may have had an attitude. Because the scripture tells us we reap what we sow. And when I reap what I sow, I don't have a right to complain about the results. 
Listen, you and I, this is crazy. You and I, free will, we can choose anything we want to do in life. But once we've made that choice, you're no longer free. You're free to make the choice, and I'm free to make the choice. But you and I are never free of the consequences, the situations that accept, that happens. And so we have to come to a place that, you know what, we got, we got, we got to accept Equal, we got to accept responsibility for our actions. Maybe I shouldn't have like, like selected the cheapest airline ticket in the history of the world and then expecting to get on the plane and bring a few things with me. <laughs> right? I mean, there, there's three types of people in, in life. This is just so interesting. There's three types of people in life. Accusers, excusers, and choosers. There are accusers that are always saying it's your fault. You're the problem. You're, you've got the attitude. You've got the issue. You've got the problem. And so there's accusers that are always going around like accusing everybody else, even for situations they created. And then there's, like the, there's, there's another group, and they're like excusers. And they're like, you know what? I'm just a product of my, de- of my family. You know, it's just it's my personality to act, act like that. It's my heritage to act like that. That was how I was raised. That's how I was taught. You know what? I, I had difficulty in my past. And so, you know what psychology would call that? Learned helplessness. You've come to the place where you believe that, you know what? Any decision I make is not going to make it any better. So guess what? I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just going to excuse everything that I do. Or a chooser. And a chooser is someone that, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to accept the responsibility for my words. I'm going to resp- accept the responsibility for my actions. I, for me not to do that will not allow me to live this life and live this life more abundantly, to live this life with joy. In other words, you and I have to come to this place. And, and Paul just harps on this in, 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 uh, in his teachings, in his writings, you have to come to this place just to de- develop an attitude of gratitude. And many times, listen, I'm just, many times for what Scripture tells us, the root of complaining, because a lot of times we talk about, a lot of times we talk about the symptom and not the cause. We talk about the fruit and not the, the root. If you want to go a little bit deeper, you know the root The cause of complaining is an ungrateful heart. You're not grateful for what we have. We're not grateful for the good in that person. We're not grateful in the situation. We're not grateful for the place that we are. Whenever I'm complaining, listen, whenever I'm complaining, it's like a red light on a dashboard of a car. car It's like going off. And you know what? It's going off and it's saying ungrateful, ungrateful, ungrateful. You and I, we can either focus on the negative or the positive. We can either focus on the negative in someone or we can focus on the positive. You know, the, the, the famous question is, is the cup half empty or half full? Depends on how you look at it. It depends on your perspective. Are there things in your life right now, in your circle, that you're not satisfied with, in your marriage, in your business? in your job, in your relationships, your habits with yourself, your mate, your children, your boss, your career, your school. I believe even in those situations, you can find something to be grateful for. Some situations, you may have to work harder than the others. I get that. I understand that. But I think there's something that you can find. 
See, what Paul is saying, Christians are supposed to be different. We're supposed to be grateful. We're a child of God. We're to live this life with joy, and we're to live this life and this life more abundantly. And we're to do everything without complaining and arguing so that, man, what, what he says, so that we may be like blameless and, and harmless in a, in a dark world so that we may stand out like shining stars. You want to stand out in this dark world? Don't complain. Don't criticize. Just have joy. Paul said in, in Philippians 4.11, he says, now that I was, not that I was ever in need, for I've learned how to be content with whatever I have. So, so now this is good news. This is learned behavior. Paul said, I had to learn. Not that I was, not that I was ever in need, for I have, I've learned. See, this is a learned behavior. This is, doesn't come natural to us. See, that's good news for us. I mean, we, we can learn to do this. Paul wrote in prison. He wrote the, this letter in prison when he was in one of the most difficult situations he was in, ever in. And he says, you know what? I'm not going to allow my circumstances to make me unhappy. Listen, when you learn and when I learn to be happy in our circumstances, when we learn to have joy and be happy in our circumstances, when we learn to be joy and happy in spite of our circumstances, that's maturity. Man, I am, I am determined not to be controlled by the situations, the circumstances around me. Listen, don't let your circumstances preach to you. You learn to preach God's word to your circumstances. You learn to come to the place and say, you know what? My circumstances, they don't have a foothold in my life. They're, they are not going to preach to me. They are not going to influence me. See, because when we complain, you know what we're basically saying to God? God, you gave me a raw deal. God, how could you? God, if, if I was God, if I was in control, things would be so much better. If you want to get victory over complaining, you've got to look for God's hand in circumstances. 2 Corinthians 4, 17 says, For our present troubles are small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them all and will last forever. So we don't look at troubles we can see now, rather... We fix our guys on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. Paul is saying that problems will come into your life, and it's the way that we look at them. So what we focus on that matters, because when I'm complaining about my circumstances, I am not grateful. When I'm complaining about my circumstances, you know what you're doing? We're questioning God's wisdom. God, do you really know what you're doing? I'm doubting God's care. God, I'd do it so much better. And I am forgetting God's goodness. And all of a sudden, I'm no longer grateful. See, if we're going to conquer, we're going to protect our boundaries. If we're going to conquer this issue of complaining, we can't see it. It's just no big deal. We cannot see it. It's just a personality trait. We got to see it for what it really is. And the last thing is this, is we got to stop complaining and start changing. We got to come to the place that, you know what, if it's a problem with me, let's stop complaining and start changing. Complaining is a habit. And Habits are broken only, people know this, by the replacement of something healthy, something else. And so we have to take the negative out of, complain, uh, of complaining and, and, and practice positive speaking. Ephesians 4.29, don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Scripture says that one day we're going to give an account for every idle word that we speak. 
And we have to learn to replace criticism and complaints with maybe compliments. The lady at the rental car center, all she needed to hear is, hey, thank you so much for being the only one that showed up today. Without you, I wouldn't have a rental car because all the other rental car places were had sides out, out, out. Affirmation in relationships, affirmation in ministry, affirmation in life always gets better results than nagging. People in your circle of... Well, let's just read this verse, Ephesians 6, 4. I'm sorry, let's read Philippians. Let's read Ephesians 6, 4. I'm confusing the guys in the back. Father, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. The people in your circle, how, how, are, are you tearing them down or are you building them up? What are the results of, of your complaining? Because Paul says, verse 14, he says... Do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you. Complainers are criticized a lot. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining light like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. There's three results when we don't complain. No one can criticize us. We live clean lives. In other words, it means we live a life of integrity. We live a life living out the values that, that we preach and we teach. And then then the next one is children of God shining like bright lights in a f- world full of crooked and perverse people. All of a sudden, that all of a sudden we stand out. Our world is so negative. Man, when you find a person who is genuinely positive, doesn't doesn't it do something for your day? Don't they just kind of stand out? I'd finished my travels and I got back to DFW, dropped the car off at the rental car center, went up to grab the bus to the terminal, and the the, the bus driver. I mean, he was really old for that position. And, uh, and he looked like, and I'm not being mean, I'm just telling you. And so he looked like Uncle Cy on Duck Dynasty. And so, but I mean, he's, people are coming in and complaining and griping and negative. Uncle Cy is happy. He's slinging luggage, putting the luggage in the carrier, trying to talk to people. And it's like, it is like not happening. Uncle Cy closes the, the, the doors and we start to head off. A man starts screaming, hey. Hey, outside the bus, hey, hey, you idiot, stop. Uncle Cy gets on the radio, starts laughing, said, hey, everybody, yell back, yell, hey, back to that man. So we all yelled, hey, back. And so we yelled, hey, back, and then I can't tell you what he said in church. And so, uh, and so we continued on. And so Uncle Cy said, hey, you're on a bus going to Terminal C. If you're not going to Terminal C, may God be with you. And so... He laughed and says, no, here's how you catch the sky tram. It'll take you to, you know, terminal A, B, or D. Uh, but still, may God be with you. And so we continued on. We started getting closer to the terminal. Uncle Cy realized that, you know what, people still aren't happy. So he says, guys, I, I've been to this terminal just a few minutes before picking you up. i got to tell you, I'm about ready to drop you off in a war zone. It is a war zone in there. You're going to have to deal with the airlines. You're going to have to deal with unruly and gri- gripey people. And then, if that's not bad enough, TSA is waiting for you. And so <laughs> he says, so I decide I'm going to tell you a joke. So he gets, he says, so there's this three-legged dog that went into a bar. And this three-legged dog goes into a bar and gets up on the bar stool. The bartender looks at the dog and says, hey, you're a dog. And he goes, yes, I am. And he goes, he goes, dogs aren't allowed in here. You're not supposed to be in here. What are you doing in here? Dog looked at him and says, I'm in here to find the man that shot my paw. (laughs) 
Some of you feel free to laugh on your way home when you get it. And so, <laughs> you know what? We all walked off the bus different. We were all laughing. We were talking about how dumb that joke was, how silly Uncle Cy was. But you know what? We laughed the rest of the way. Paul is telling us a complaining, negative Christian is a bad witness. A positive attitude is a great witness. It makes impact. It can change people around you. Wouldn't it be great if our church had the reputation? You know what? That's where all the positive people go. You never hear any complaints. You never hear anybody talking about anybody. You never hear any grumbling over there. That's where the church has love and unity. They're a family and they're together. They have, they have this issue of harmony. See, Paul was writing to a church. He was so strong. He says, you need to, you need to purge out. I know this is hard, but he said, you need to purge out the strife and bickering so the church can become the church that the church was called to become. He's telling individuals and he's telling churches, you can never become the church or the people that God has called you to become. Until you come to that place where you're no longer complaining and grumbling and griping about each other. This verse is talking about the life of individuals and the life and the character of a church. What would happen at your company if all of a sudden nobody complained? What would happen in your family if one day nobody's going to complain, nobody's going to be negative, nobody's going to gripe? And what would happen? I challenge you. Do what I did. God today, God this week, every time I want to complain, every time I want to criticize, I want you to bring it to my attention. I can only change my circle. I can only change myself. I can't change anybody else. You know what Uncle Cy did? Uncle Cy changed the joy of a bus full of complaining, gripey passengers. It may have also helped his tip, tip ratio. Who knows? By joy. So I walked by Uncle Si. I looked at him. Hey, you a Christ follower? And he winked. And I kept walking. Here's what's interesting. The verses before and after a verse you study are very important for context. I find it very interesting, the verses before this. Paul is talking to us about how we should allow God to work in our life. And the very first thing he talks about is complaining. Because it's a barrier. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes?